MSW Media. Hey there, it's Zev Shalev from the Narrative Podcast. We're getting ready to launch our new season on Wednesday, September the 8th. And I wanted to tell you a little bit more about the big story we have on our premiere. We've been investigating the events of Jan 6 since the day it happened. And every week since then, we've been adding pieces to that puzzle. Now we're getting ready to add the biggest piece of them all. The insurrectionists who stormed the Capitol on that day didn't only have the support of Donald Trump and his operatives, the GOP and Coke Industries. They also had the support of foreign intelligence operatives. We'll expose the operatives and lift the lid off the entire operation. You won't believe who's involved and the scale is mind-blowing. Join me on Wednesday, September the 8th as we launch our new season of Narrative. It's now on three times a week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch us live on Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn or on demand as an audio or video podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, September 6, 2021. Today, the Supreme Court takes us back 50 years without lifting a finger. 11 House Republicans send a threatening letter to 13 telecom companies, including one that doesn't work there anymore, after the Select Committee on the Insurrection asks for the preservation of evidence. The Republican-led Arizona Senate is trying to hide 3,000 emails and documents related to the fraud. It. An Oklahoma abortion clinic is already seeing a surge of Texas patients. Planned Parenthood won a temporary restraining order against Texas right to life, blocking them from suing providers under SB 8. Calamari Jr., and McConney testify before the grand jury in Manhattan, where Cy Vance is investigating the Trump organization. The former DA in the Ahmad Arbery case has been indicted. And Richard Spencer is broke and alone. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. It's A.G. Allison Gill. Dana's off today. It is you and I. It is us today. I will be joined for a little bit later in the show by David Rothkopf to discuss what's going on in Texas and also what's going on with the the mainstream media lately, particularly CNN. I mean, the anchors we don't like on MSNBC have kind of always been that way. But I, I feel like there's something shifting in the mainstream media and a couple of New York Times stories you may have seen over the weekend about President Biden. Lead story today, of course, we'll get into in a moment. But I have to say, it's been a very tough week. I've been on vacation. I had a lovely vacation. We had a wonderful time in D.C. meeting all the patrons. I had a great time here on staycation where I stayed at a hotel for a few days after I returned from D.C. midweek. But the news has been very difficult. I would be lying if I said everything was fine and just sort of moved forward. And I, I discussed that a little bit with David Rothkopf when we talk about the mainstream media, everyone's kind of just acting normal. And um, I'm usually really, really good about just pushing through and compartmentalizing and delivering the news and delivering some laughs. But I have to admit to you, because I care about you and I know you care about me, that it's been difficult. I feel like the shields are collapsing, if that makes any sense. And so I've been reaching out to a lot of really good, close friends and having a lot of really robust and difficult conversations. 
And that is helping to anchor me. And so I just, you know, every day I, I during the sign off, remind everyone to take care of their mental health and take care of each other and yourselves and the planet. You know, I, I just really need to emphasize that. Pick up the phone, make some calls, jump on a Zoom, send an email, send a text. It's okay to, to not be okay. It's, this is a very, very difficult thing that we're going through. And it, it seems to all be culminating into, into one sort of, I guess, direction that this country, uh, a road it could go down or not. And we have to figure out how to steer it. And I'm working on it with some very bright people. But in the meantime, please reach out to each other. And me, if you have, if you just want to vent or, you know, free write to me, AG at Muller, she wrote, please do. I would be uh, happy to read those. And like I said, I'm going to bring you the headlines from the weekend. Do my best to compartmentalize the anger left over from the Supreme Court decision or non-decision shadow docket. And I also want you to stay tuned this Wednesday when I'm going to be talking to our constitutional law expert, professor of law at University of Texas, Austin. Steve Vladek will be here to discuss some of the implications, ramifications, where we're headed, how we can stop it, if we can stop it. So with that, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Of course, the lead story today is the gutting of Roe v. Wade and abortion rights in Texas this past week. The Supreme Court declined to block SB 8 from going into effect, meaning that any person who seeks abortion care past six weeks of pregnancy. And by the way, the way they measure six weeks is from the last day of your last period. So it's not exactly six weeks from conception. Anyway, past six weeks. And anyone who aids a person receiving an abortion can be sued by vigilantes for $10,000 any time in a 48-month post-abortion time frame. The Supreme Court did not decide the merits of SB 8, and cases can still be brought. But in the meantime, it's obviously very dangerous, frightening to be someone who can get pregnant in Texas right now. And the court has effectively ended the protections of Roe v. Wade in the state. Like I said, I will be speaking with con law expert Steve Vladek on Wednesday about the backlash and future of abortion care, as pretty much every other red state in the country is now gearing up to pass the same law. They're basing, by the way, the six-week ban on what they consider to be a fetal heartbeat, but which is not a heartbeat. Of course, there are 7,000 other 50-year-old arguments against this, but the fact that Texas deputized private citizens means that we can't sue the state and has allowed the Republicans a new untested loophole that we must now fight in the courts. And it's, it's terrifying that your neighbor can report private information to the state about you and get paid for it. And I'm also curious about the political impact here. We have long said access to abortion care is exceedingly popular among voters. People have laughed me out of the room when I said, Roe is in real trouble. They would call me an alarmist and they would say, the Republicans aren't ever going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Don't be stupid. Don't be so alarmist. They'll never do that. Ha ha ha. Because they need it to fundraise off of. It's a wedge issue for them. It's their identity politics while they run around and tell us that we lose races for identity politics. 
It's, it's what keeps them in power, that 19 percent of the electorate that that are one issue voters. And that issue is abortion. So, first of all, you can stop calling us alarmists. But what are the Republicans going to do now? Because this will bring, I think, very, very considerable political backlash. They don't have anything to fundraise on now unless it's to just do it in more states and kind of take a victory lap. But we'll have and we'll talk more about that on Wednesday. Many abortion clinics in Texas and in other states say they're already fielding a flurry of phone calls after SB8 went into effect Wednesday. Planned Parenthood South Texas says it saw twice the usual number of patients over the last few days of last week as Texans tried to get last minute care. Think about being rushed into that decision. Quote, what patients are finding out as they call and seek appointments is that in many cases, we're having to tell them just up front that we're not going to be able to assist them. That is Sarah Wheat. She's a spokesperson for Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas. Wheat said they are still providing abortions for women up to six weeks of pregnancy, but I estimate now that they cannot serve about 85% of patients who may be seeking an abortion in Texas. That's indicative of how often women do not know they're pregnant until seven or eight weeks especially if you calculate it from the last day of their last menstrual cycle. Quote, the only thing they can do is leave the state if they're trying to have an appointment within a healthcare setting. She said that's Wheat said that. And that's exactly what some women are trying to do. Trust Women, a clinic in Oklahoma, says it typically gets three to five calls from Texans per day. In the last two days of last week, they got 50 to 55 calls per day from Texans. I've already asked a few of our physicians, quote, will you come on for a third day when you come to see us? Will you sign up for an additional shift so that we can see more of the Texas patients? That's Rebecca Tong. She works at the Trust Women's Clinic. She's the co-executive director. She says for the first time ever, they're capping their patients. Quote, not everyone who needs an abortion at this time is going to be seen. Quote, we want to emphasize, however, that people who need abortion care should continue to look to Texas funds and neighborhood clinics for help. If we're unable to see anyone due to volume, we will absolutely help direct them to a clinic with availability. The GOP group Texas Right to Life has said they know many women will try to cross state lines and will sue Planned Parenthood and other clinics for coordinating such care. However, Texas abortion right providers won a temporary restraining order against Texas Right and its associates on Friday, blocking them from suing providers and healthcare workers at Planned Parenthood health centers in the state under the new law. Planned Parenthood sued the anti-abortion group in state court to stop the group from enforcing Texas's new six-week abortion ban. As we know, the six-week law creates probable, irreparable, and imminent injury in the interim for Planned Parenthood, its physicians, staff, and patients throughout Texas. Judge Maya Guerra Gamble of the Texas District Court for Travis County wrote that in a temporary restraining order. So this isn't a win necessarily because it causes harm to women or guts constitutionally decided law. It's because it causes damage to Planned Parenthood if this law were to go into effect. Providers would have no adequate legal remedy for that injury if they're subjected to private enforcement lawsuits against them. The order applies, again, to Texas Right to Life and Planned Parenthood centers in the state only. It's a temporary restraining order. The providers challenge the law's most unusual aspect, its delegation of enforcement power to private citizens. So any that means anyone anywhere can sue in a Texas court, an alleged abortion provider who violates the six-week ban. 
The law entitles a winning plaintiff to, as we know, $10,000 per abortion plus costs and attorney's fees. Texas Right to Life and its legislative director, John Sego, have already started recruiting private citizens to sue providers like Planned Parenthood of Greater Texas Surgical Health Services, and that's according to the complaint. The anti-abortion group created a whistleblower website to identify potential plaintiffs. But thousands of people flooded the site with fake complaints, including myself. And a group of TikTokers actually wrote a bunch of scripts and code to flood the site and overwhelm it. Eventually, GoDaddy removed the whistleblower site for violating its terms of service. So they no longer host that site. All right, we're going to change subjects. In other news, House Republicans wrote a letter to Marissa Mayer, who they described this is 13 House Republicans who are pissed about the fact that they've that the telecommunications companies have been told by the select committee investigating the insurrection to preserve phone records of these very specific, you know, group of it's hundreds of people. But 13 House Republicans wrote a letter to Marissa Meyer, president and chief executive of Yahoo, warning her of legal action should she and the company hand over their private data to the committee investigating January 6th. Problem is, Mayor hasn't been CEO of Yahoo since 2017. Any fucking buddy can Google this. They just went ahead and put it in a letter and signed their little congressional names to it like they were awesome before they just double checked to see if her LinkedIn profile had her doing something else. She resigned after spending five years attempting to pull the media giant back from a steady demise. She also stepped down from the company's board. She runs a startup called Lumi Labs. The letter is one of 13 that GOP congressional leaders sent to telecommunications giants threatening legal remedies should they comply with the House Select Committee. I'm sorry, it's 11 representatives to 13 telecom companies. Legal remedies. We will pursue legal remedies if you hand our stuff over to the Select Committee in the House. I would like to thank these Republicans, by the way, for letting us know exactly whose records we should be interested in looking into. We see you. And the Arizona Senate is continuing to fight to keep secret nearly 3,000 emails and text messages sent by lawmakers and others that relate to the Maricopa County Crazy Times Carnival election audit. That's according to a lawyer who told a judge on Wednesday. The Senate, they're trying to hide stuff now. So the Arizona State Senate, they don't want these documents released. Republicans in the United States Congress, they don't want their phone records released because I'm sure everything is above board. Transparency is for suckers, right? Now, the Senate in Arizona turned over thousands of pages of communications on Tuesday after being ordered to do so by two judges. But the Senate also provided a log of approximately 2,900 messages that were withheld or redacted because the Senate doesn't believe turning them over is required under the state public records law. Among those are most, if not all, of the communications between lawmakers who ordered the unprecedented election audit and cyber ninjas to conduct the audit. Quote, our view of the legislative privilege, this is legislative privilege, and I can tell you for decades the legislature's view of legislative privilege is that when there are internal communications between legislators or their agents about legislative business, those are subject to legislative privilege. That was Senate lawyer Corey Langhofer hmm, during a court conference on Wednesday. That means the Senate will fight to prevent the disclosure of anything Senate President Karen Fan or other Republicans who ordered the audit have written to cyber ninjas or the various subcontractors about the audit. Those are the things they want redacted under the concept of legislative privilege. I'm interested to find out. And if anyone knows, I would love to know if there's a crime fraud exception 
for legislative privilege in Arizona. Langhofer, who's the lawyer for the Republicans, previously argued unsuccessfully that Cyber Ninjas and the other contractors are not public officials and therefore not subject to the public records law. Makes nearly all communications among elected officials public documents in Arizona. So it doesn't even matter, really, in the legislative privilege kind of doesn't exist and you don't need a crime fraud exception because there's a public documents law in Arizona. Two Superior Court judges and an appellate court panel have said the contractor's records are subject to the public records law and the Arizona Supreme Court is listening to the Senate's appeal of those decisions. Judge Michael Kemp asked Langhofer when the Cyber Ninja's preliminary report on the audit would go to the Senate and whether the Senate would seek to protect that from disclosure through legislative privilege as well. Fan announced last week that the preliminary report was delayed because, as we know, Doug Logan, Cyber Ninja's CEO, and two other members of his team contracted cases of COVID. Langhofer said the preliminary report is expected to come in three parts. One volume is not written yet. Apparently two are. He said it will be at least two weeks before a final report is produced. This thing was due in May. Quote, I have a feeling there will be some substantial disagreements over whether documents are privileged or not, Kemp says. In related news from Raw Story, new details were revealed on Friday about how Arizona Republicans are receiving and spending funds during the fraud. It. Quote, a prominent Republican attorney who advised Donald Trump as he tried to overturn the 2020 election helped set up an escrow account to funnel money to companies working on the Arizona election audit. That's Cleta Mitchell. And her role came to light as the Arizona Republic combed through documents, the ones that they did get. Mitchell advised Trump during his January phone call. She was on the perfect call to Zelensky. By the way, super cool story. When I was in D.C. staying at the Hay Adams Hotel and we had our live show Monday at five, there were all kinds of uh, cops and dignitaries and security in the lobby. And everybody was like, "Ooh, who is it? Who's here? Who's here? It was President Zelensky staying at our hotel. Very cool. Back to Cleta Mitchell, who was on the perfect call with Zelensky. She's apparently arranged for a a million dollars to be sent from an escrow account she created in late July to three subcontractors working under Cyber Ninjas. The documents do not reveal the source of the one million dollars. But that wasn't the only major news on the audit that the Arizona Republic broke on Friday. They also reported an election conspiracy theorist and anti-vaccine activist was hired by both Arizona Senate, the Arizona Senate and Cyber Ninjas to review mail-in ballots. Dr. Shiva He's known to far-right adherents as Dr. Shiva. He was tapped for both reviews in the waning weeks of the audit process in the end times after a report was already supposed to be generated. It's according to records. However, he had participated in discussions with Arizona Republicans about challenging the state's election results as far back as November. MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell featured Dr. Shiva in a video as a victim of voter fraud. Dr. Shiva alleged he lost his Senate bid both of them in Massachusetts, because Dominion Software actually multiplied his vote by 0.666. That's right. He thinks he lost the Senate because Dominion multiplied his votes by (laughs) 0.666. And a former Georgia district attorney, by the way, has been indicted. He was indicted Thursday by a grand jury. This is a former Georgia DA. And this grand jury says that this DA showed preference to the men accused of murdering Ahmaud Arbery last year. The former prosecutor, her name is uh, Jacqueline Lee Johnson. She was indicted on charges of violation of oath of public office and obstruction of a police officer. This is according to Georgia Attorney General Chris Carr. Johnson was the Brunswick Judicial Circuit District Attorney when Arbery, 25, as we know, a black man was shot, murdered in February of 2020. 
Johnson ultimately lost re-election in November. Arbery was shot and killed February 23rd after Gregory McMichael, 64, and Travis McMichael, his kid, 34, basically lynched him, followed him in a pickup truck, shot him. Arbery's family said he was out jogging, while the McMichaels, who are white, say they thought he was a burglar out on the jogging trail. Johnson recused herself from the case days after the shooting. She noted that Gregory McMichael, a former Glynn County police officer, had been an investigator in her office for more than 30 years before he retired in May of 2019. Johnson is now accused of showing favor and affection to Greg McMichael during the investigation. That's according to the indictment document released Thursday. She's also alleged to have hindered two police officers by directing that Travis McMichael should not be placed under arrest. She obstructed justice. The indictment also alleges Johnson sought help from Waycross Judicial Circuit District Attorney George E. Barnhill, whom she recommended to take the case after she stepped aside without disclosing her previous conversations with Barnhill. Barnhill recused himself in April and defended the McMichaels in his letter, saying the police captain at this time, stating to the police captain at the time that the father and his son had solid firsthand probable cause to believe Arbery was a burglar. They did not. No further details about the allegations have been released. Carr's office said it will continue to investigate. Johnson did not immediately return a voicemail request for comment. Quote, former D.A. Johnson may not have pulled the trigger that day, the day Ahmad was murdered, but she played a starring role in the cover-up. That was attorney Ben Crump on Friday. Crump and Lee Merritt, the family's attorneys, held virtual news conferences with Arbery's mother and father, Wanda Cooper and Marcus Arbery Sr. Merritt said, He hopes the charges against Johnson have a ripple effect throughout the legal community to stamp out systemic racism, adding that her alleged actions amplified a system stacked against black people. All right, time for some much-needed schadenfreude. Schadenfreude! All right, I'm sure you've heard this already, but McConnie, one of the, you know, top, the controller of the Trump organization, it's not comptroller unless you work for the government. I got a lot of corrections trying to tell me it was comptroller, but he's, he's the Trump organization controller. And Calamari Jr., not Calamari and Jr., but the son of Matthew Calamari. So Calamari, the elder Calamari, was Trump's bodyguard forever and is now the COO of the company. The younger Calamari, Calamari Jr., is the head of security at the Trump organization. So it can get a little confusing. They're both body dudes, but one's dad, one's kid. Kid is the one who testified before the grand jury in Manhattan, as did McConney. Again, we think that the reporting is that McConnie had already testified. That means both of them have immunity for their testimony unless they've waived immunity for some reason. And you'll remember we've talked to a couple of former assistant DAs about that. That doesn't necessarily mean they're cooperating. Their testimony could have been compelled by subpoena. We do not know. We haven't seen official cooperation agreements or plea agreements. All we know is that for their testimony, they're receiving immunity. And so I imagine that they're trying to either get the kid to flip on the dad or use the kid as a chip to flip the dad on Trump with the calamaris. As far as McConaughey goes, I'm pretty sure he's just helping. I think he's the guy who ran the second set of books. I think he can actually testify about decisions that happen that he was in the room for against Trump. I think he can pick up any slack where Weisselberg would have otherwise cooperated. He, but, you know, he, he isn't and doesn't look like he will unless more evidence comes out. But seems like for what he's been indicted for, he's already going to prison for the rest of his life. The other little bit of schadenfreude, and this is just, this is just fun. White nationalist Richard Spencer's life 
is in shambles and he's broke as his Charlottesville trial looms. According to a report in the New York Times, neo-Nazi Richard Spencer, once riding high as the face of white extremists who previously supported Donald Trump, has seen his life collapse in the years since the Charlottesville protests that led to one woman losing her life. In a deep dive into how that city of Whitefish, Montana, became a hotbed of extremism that led to a local pushback, Spencer is Exhibit A in demonstrating how white nationalists are being shunned and driven from town by locals. With Rabbi Francine Green Roston of the Glacier Jewish community, Benai Shalom, explaining the best way to respond to hate and cyber terrorism in your community is through solidarity. The Times' Elizabeth Williamson writes, Whitefish, a mostly liberal, affluent community nestled in a county that voted mostly for Trump in 2016 and 2020, rose up and struck back. Residents who joined with state officials, human rights groups, and synagogues say their bipartisan counteroffensive could hold lessons for those in an era of disinformation and intimidation and in the wake of the insurrection. Case in point, she notes, is Spencer, who once received a glossy write-up in the L.A. Times. Things are much different for him now after he attempted to run his organization in, in his mother's $3 million whitefish home while watching his life fall apart. According to Tanya Gersh, a local real estate agent targeted by white nationalists, I've bumped into him and he runs. That's actually a really good feeling. According to Williamson's report, leaders in Whitefish say Mr. Spencer, who once ran his National Policy Institute from his mother's $3 million summer house here, is now an outcast in this resort town in the Rocky Mountains, unable to get a table at any restaurant. His organization has dissolved. His wife has divorced him, and he is facing trial next month in Charlottesville, Virginia, over his role in the deadly 2017 neo-Nazi march there, but says he can't afford a lawyer. So just thought you might want to hear that. It pleases me. We'll be right back with David Rothkopf. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Allison Gill for The Daily Beans. And I'm excited to tell you about our new sponsor because right now I'm remodeling my entire bathroom. The entire thing. I have gutted it. But there is one thing I'm keeping that I had before and I've just got it. I've only had it for a few months. That is the Nebbia Spa Shower by Moen. Let me tell you about it. I love taking a nice hot shower. It's my time, right? It's my little alone time where I get to think. And if you want the best shower of your life, you have to try the Nebbia. It's backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, including Tim Cook. It's designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years researching and developing a superior shower experience that saves water. This is a water saver. And I'm here in California. It's important to me. And this shower is anything but ordinary. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower is Nebbia's most advanced shower yet. Twice the coverage, half the water usage of standard shower heads. Despite using 45% less water, it sprays 81% more powerful than the competition. Nebbia's atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of even the thickest, longest hair. And it's got easy self-installation. Nebbia by Moen can be installed in 15 minutes. No need for contractors, plumbers, or broken tile. If you can change a light bulb, you can install Nebbia by Moen. Nebbia balances functionality with a clean aesthetic to achieve its timeless design. So it's very modern and cool looking. It comes in four premium finishes. White and chrome, spot-resistant nickel, matte black, and black and chrome. I love the Nebbia. It's amazing and invigorating. It's like a steam room combined with a shower all in one and a waterfall too. It's amazing. Anyway, Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower starts at just $199. And for Daily Beans listeners, we have a deal. First 100 people to use the code BEANS at nebbia.com, N-E-B-I-A.com, will get 10% off all Nebbia products. Nebbia rarely does a deal like this, so it's great. It's great to jump on it now. Go to nebbia.com slash beans. 
That's nebia.com slash beans to check out what they have to offer. Again, first 100 people to use the code beans when checking out will save 10% on all Nebbia products. Again, nebbia.com slash beans and use that code beans to save 10%. Everybody, welcome back. I'm honored today to be joined by uh, my friend who hosts the show Deep State Radio. Please welcome David Rothkopf. David, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm coping, compartmentalizing, moving forward as best best we can all hope to move forward coming off of hydrate hydrate is very <laughs> yeah i keep i keep having to remind myself to do that and unclench my jaw but i wanted to bring you on today because you recently put out a very very incredible episode of deep state radio with norm ornstein and mary trump and i just wanted to i i wanted to encourage everyone who listens to this show to listen to your show and especially li- listen to that episode T- tell me a little bit about that episode and how it impacted you it was just, you know, we've been doing this a long time, uh, as, as, as you have, and a lot's happened in that time. And, but a lot of discussions tend to be about news and headlines, and, and they don't get to the sort of emotional core of the issue. And we kind of began with that in part because Mary is, you know, she's a, she's a psychotherapist. But, you know, it also had dawned on me in the week prior that we're facing sort of, you know, these multiple crises in our societies at once, right? There's COVID, you know, a massive pandemic, which has changed everybody's life and has touched everybody. There's an economic crisis associated with that. There's a social crisis in the United States. Mm-hmm. Climate, climate crisis. <laughs> as manifested in BLM and, and, and that. We have a political crisis, which is associated with a, an ongoing assault against democracy and, 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 and assorted rights associated with it, ranging from voter suppression to what we've seen in Texas in this past week. And then, of course, there are the usual crises, world crises, like you know what's going on in Afghanistan. And it struck me that I you know, I'd actually was, I was having a, an exchange with a sort of well-known television host, just a weird, quirky thing. And this person said to me, she, you know, that it, that it was hard to imagine how to recover from all of this. And, and you know, I, I, that's what I opened up with was just, you know, it's like not a deer caught in the headlights, but it's deer caught in the headlights of five oncoming cars at once. How do you deal with that trauma? And, and Mary provided a perspective and Norm provided a perspective. But from there, it evolved into a very cathartic discussion because, you know, I I think sometimes, I don't know, maybe it's, you know, you put people in front of a microphone or you put them on TV or you start to write and you end up being very circumspect and you try to be sort of intellectually responsible in the way that you say it. But underneath the surface, there is fear and anger and disbelief. I, I can't imagine, you know, I just, I, I'm, in my entire life, it never crossed my mind that I would sit in a, in a, in a United States of America where I thought d- democracy could be done in a couple of years. Basic freedoms could be gone. A minority could take over the country that that hated a large portion of the other people in this country. This is not something happening in some foreign capital. 
And, and it was just, you know, and that resonated for everybody. And I think the thing that set the episode apart for me, and you listened to it, so you may have a different perspective, but was that we were able to talk about these things in those terms in a, in a, in a more open way. And I, I think that kind of cathartic discussion is important because it's important for our mental health, but also because it motivates us to take this as seriously as we should. And to recognize there is no other issue that supersedes this core question. True. Yeah, I was particularly struck by the openness of the conversation. It started to dawn on me that having no fear about discussing fear was something that a lot of us, like you said, who've been doing this for a long time, tend to compartmentalize, go forward with the news. But it's you say it's below the surface, this fear and this anger, but and, and it is, but it is right below the surface. It is in a very shallow grave, this point. And I think that that's what made listening to the discussion, at least for me and hopefully for for a lot of other people who've heard it, that they at least don't feel alone. Yes, I hope so. And you know, I'm not trying to, you know, produce something that has everybody screaming into the void or reaching for a bottle of Jack Daniels or doing whatever it is that they do. Instead, you know, I, I, I think it's important to be honest about this stuff, but it's also like it counteracts a prevailing narrative in the mainstream media that what we're going through is normal. You know, we always talked about the normalization of Trump, right? Who is a rapist and a tax fraud and a traitor. And, uh, you know, he's, he's all these things that you can't even imagine. You couldn't write it in a movie and sell it to Hollywood. He was so bad. But, but every day we get stories. You know, we went through this whole crazy Afghanistan thing where, you know, people were providing critiques as if they were unbiased critiques, as if they were not trying to, you know, the, the media jumped on this because they didn't want to be accused of being the liberal media. They wanted to jump on and have an opportunity to go and beat up on the Biden administration. They lost perspective on this. And you could think of a hundred examples of this, but it makes it very hard, you know, when people are like, oh yeah, those are the Republicans, you know, and they're doing this thing. And of course, the Democrats that, you know, their response to that is just part of politics. But it's it's not. There was a mob that went into the Capitol and killed people and injured people and beat up cops. And, you know, the, the, the party's response to that is to lie, just like it was to lie and allow 900,000 people to die of COVID, just like it was to lie and, you know, embrace Russia. And, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's becoming desensitized to the extraordinary nature of things that will lead us not to respond properly to it, that will lead to the worst possible outcome. And I, w- I want to talk a little bit more about the media and what they've been up to lately. I need to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Sure. Thanks. Hey, everybody, it's AG from The Daily Beans. A lot of you are entrepreneurs and independent professionals, and I respect you for soldiering through the past year and making your stuff and being makers and crafters. And you guys send me so many wonderful things, and I love them. And I'd like to help you make 2021 your biggest year ever. So if you're an entrepreneur or independent or professional, now is the time to accelerate ahead of all your competitors. 
I want to help you do that. I just got together with Proton, P-R-O-T-O-N-N. This is an app-based all-in-one tool for small businesses, and I love it. We're announcing an incredible offer. More on that in a second. It's a free offer, and I'll get to it in a minute. But I want to tell you about Proton first. It's the smartest, fastest, easiest business solution I've found for growing and managing your small business. And it's all in the same app, one single app. In under five minutes, through their fully integrated app, you can create your public profile to showcase your services. It's like LinkedIn, only better. It attracts new clients through engaging videos, and it uses Proton's magic mode to interact with PDFs, documents, and images in your videos. It's amazing. You provide hassle-free, simplified scheduling for clients, and you can connect it directly to your calendar. It's so simple. No more back and forth phone calls or emails. You manage your payments and get paid faster and easier with more secure options. Accept money through credit cards, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Venmo, and Zelle all on your page from your app. Track revenue and client data too so you can understand your customers, analyze your business, and watch your sales grow with one single dashboard to manage it all. And right now, Daily Beans listeners get Proton free. Yes, completely free. Visit proton.com slash Daily Beans. Download the app from there. Again, go to proton, P-R-O-T-O-N-N, dot com slash daily beans from there i want you to download the app in seconds and set up your public profile which just takes a couple of minutes and all your fingerprints that's proton p-r-o-t-o-n-n dot com slash daily beans proton dot com slash daily beans and today the show is also brought to you by all form all form you know i love my helix mattress well they have moved into the living room they craft premium customizable sofas and chairs delivered right to your doorstep all form is my favorite place to get beautiful high quality furniture crafted to fit my personal style all form sofas and chairs are made to your specifications and they're delivered fast and free of charge through the mail. Customize your own luxury furniture with premium materials, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You pick the color, size, shape, fabric. And by the way, the fabric is spill stain and scratch resistant, so it's great for the pod pets. I chose a three-seater sofa with whiskey-colored leather and a walnut-leg finish and a chaise lounge at the end. I love it. All Form delivers it fast, takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail, and you can assemble it by yourself in a few minutes with no tools. They have beautiful armchairs and love seats, all the way up to eight-seat sectionals, and you can always start small and buy more seats later on if you want. But best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with the host of Deep State Radio, David Rothkopf. And, and David, before we went to the break, we were talking about the discussion that you had and discussions that are occurring all across this country right now among friends and family members. The discussion you had with Mary and, and Norm on your recent episode, most recent episode, of Deep State Radio, and you shifted in to start talking about how we have to push back on the kind of the narrative that the media is feeding us, that this has just become normal and how unnormal it actually and truly is, given the insurrection, the climate crisis, the fires, the storms, the flooding, the grid, the power grid in Texas, what's going on with the Texas abortion law Supreme Court now is is bought and paid for, which was just a that was um, a 20 year grenade that had the pin pulled out. We all felt really good for a minute after we elected Biden and won back the Senate. And and then poof, the, the Supreme Court six, three, what we saw, what we knew was coming, showed up. But how the media is covering this, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about that because I, I recently had you on to discuss the absolute bizarre coverage 
of the very successful withdrawal from from Afghanistan and the ending of the 20-year war. But then further, when we get folks from the New York Times talking about the president in terms of, you know, invoking his son, Beau Biden, Joe broaches a loss that guided his presidency. But, you know, that saying that people don't want to hear about that grief and 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 getting just these weird perspectives on on that kind of story as well, which is literally and not just figuratively anymore, but literally shoving down genuine emotion in the mainstream media. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. It's it's outrageous. It's bizarre. What is the impulse inside these journalists, these editors at the New York Times who feel compelled to both sides, everything, including, you know, what is fundamentally good? You finally have a president who has compassion and feeling and is human. In fact, the main reason he was elected is that the other guy, the guy he was running against, was so devoid of human emotion, devoid of human values, was 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 a sociopath. And finally, you got somebody who, you know, had a feeling in his heart. And now they're like, yeah, well, that makes some people uncomfortable. It's like, holy shit. Shut. I mean, seriously, it makes me want to not pick up these papers again. And I, these people come on television and they're wearing their little suits and ties and they're looking there and they're be looking very grim. And they're saying, well, you know, here is my, you know, here's my political analysis of blah, 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 blah. And it sounds like it's real and it sounds like it's credible, but it's bullshit. It's, it's, it's purely spun to create a perception about who they are as journalists, not about reality, not about what's important, not about the big stories of our time, but to burnish their brand and to say, well, see, we, we, we went against Biden. There are a hundred things that a credible person could write about Joe Biden and be critical about. Mm-hmm. You know, Merrick Garland and the Justice Department and the slowness of the speed with which they're going after holding Trump and these others accountable, or the slowness of which they're dealing with the threats to voter suppression. That should warrant massive coverage and questions and you know all sorts of reasonable debate. This stuff in Afghanistan, Biden ended a 20-year war that was a fiasco for you know, 19 years and six months of its existence. And and they're like, well, you know, let's try to present a balanced view of this and let's focus on how the last couple of weeks went badly. And guess what? They didn't even go badly in, in, a, in, a, in a real substantive sense. You know, 125,000 people were gotten out in the biggest airlift ever. The airport is still open. We're still getting people out. We've still maintained ties you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there, 93 countries are working with us yeah. to do all this stuff. So I'm sorry, but, you know, it just, it triggers me because I, I never wanted to be one of these people that sort of was, oh yeah, it's the mainstream media. Cause that's the Republican job, right? Right. To go after the mainstream media. Me neither. And in fact, you and I have spent a great deal of time over the last four years defending it a great deal to be like, look, facts are facts and here's facts, et cetera. But, you know, I have seen a substantial shift in the past over the past couple few months and and it's 
substantial enough to where now I'm very wary of news sources. I used to be fine getting my my facts from or, you know, sourced articles and information from that I'm not anymore. But, you know, to me, you know, this gets to this, this point, you know, and then they write stories. Oh, Biden's, you know, opinion polls have gone down three points. I'm like, well, of course, if you write a thousand stories saying this kind of stuff, it's going to have an effect. But the thing to me is they're missing the big story. And the big story lies at the nexus of all of these traumas we just talked about. And that story is that if in 2022, the Republicans take control of the House or Senate or both, they will rewire the American system even more than they have so far. And the minority will permanently or for the next decade, decades, be dictating to the majority in this country. Democracy will be over. No Democrat will ever win. There will never be an uncontested election. There will only ever be Republicans on the court. There will not be justice in the justice system. We will be drifting towards authoritarianism. At, you know, and, and, and in some cases, we won't be drifting towards it. We'll be racing towards it. And that's what these stories do. You know, they, they may think it's both sides, but when you you create a false sense of flaws or you attack somebody for something they shouldn't be attacked for, and it strengthens the arguments of the enemies of our system, that's what you get. Yep, that's exactly what you get. And uh, I guess we just keep, I guess we just keep talking about it. That's what we can do. Well, I hope people do more than talk. You know, you, your listeners are getting it straight from you. In, you know, a day, a, you know, week in and week out, daily, they get beans daily. And the, 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 the reality is, if they think they can continue to be spectators, and if they think that this is a spectator sport where their only responsibility is to tweet or post something on Facebook to their friends, they don't understand. This requires activism. This requires everybody to be an activist. Yeah, I concur. And I encourage everybody to listen to your latest episode of Deep State Radio. And uh, I appreciate your time today. And we will we will check back in. Yes. And you'll come on our podcast and we'll do the same. Yes, please. I would love to. Thanks so much. Again, everybody check out Deep State Radio wherever you get your podcast, especially this last episode. But become a become a, a, a listener. Become a listener of that show. Uh, very, very important and incredible discussions with great guests. David Rothkopf, I appreciate your time today. Everybody. Stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's Allison Gill. Welcome back to your favorite part of the show, the ads. And I have to tell you about my favorite new snack. And I am big on snacks. I love snacks, but this is the best. It's called Toodaloo. And I want to thank Toodaloo for sponsoring the show. You can say goodbye to bland, boring, unhealthy trail mix made with chemicals that can harm you and the planet. Most trail mix, believe it or not, is filled with processed sugars, dirty nuts that are dry roasted in toxic refined oils like canola, palm or soybean oil but not Toodaloo. Toodaloo is the world's first all-natural, totally delicious, climate-friendly trail mix packed with plant proteins, superfoods, and adaptogenic herbs like lion's mane, ashwagandha, and reishi to help balance and support your body and mind. It's amazing. Toodaloo comes in five unique tasty flavors. Chocolate, maple brittle, mmm, I love maple, coffee, barbecue, and hot and spicy. The ancient herbs in each flavor promote a specific function. It all has a purpose, like better skin or better gut health or a chill mood. 
I love the maple brittle. You must try it. It's got 40 grams of plant protein per bag. It's low in carbs. It supports energy flow to fuel your day. Toodaloo is grain-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, dairy-free, processed sugar-free, and their packaging is plastic neutral. And get this, it's the most satisfying and best-tasting trail mix I've ever had, but for each order placed, Toodaloo will regenerate 100 square feet of polluted farmland back into rich, fertile soil. Nutrients and goodness for you and a cleaner planet for us all. And we have a special offer for you. Get $5 off your first order of Toodaloo. Just go to toodaloo.com slash beans. That's the coolest URL ever. That's toodaloo, T-O-O-D-A-L-O-O dot com slash beans. And Toodaloo is so confident you'll love it. Each purchase has a 100% best taste guarantee. This will definitely become your favorite go-to snack. Seriously, the taste is amazing. So visit toodaloo.com slash beans and try it today. And today's show is also brought to you by Helix Sleep. I mentioned my Helix mattress a little bit earlier in the show. It is the best mattress ever. It's like sleeping on a cloud because it was designed for me in mind. So if you're ever feeling tired when you wake up in the morning or you're sore or you toss and turn at night, it might be anxiety and stress, but it also might be that you're on the wrong mattress. Like I said, I used to wake up exhausted, tossing and turning all night. I thought it was because Trump was in the White House. Turns out my mattress was made for someone else and because Trump was in the White House. But if you're not getting the best night's sleep of your life, do, do what I did. Take the online sleep quiz at helix.com slash daily beans. Just takes two minutes. It can change your life. Seriously, you spend a third of your life sleeping. Sleeping is important. It's part of self-care. And you can rest easy knowing Helix will match your sleep preferences and body type with a mattress that's perfect for you. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have uh, ones ideal for regulating body temperature if you sleep hot. They have mattresses good for spinal alignment to prevent morning pains and aches. They even have a Helix Plus for our beautiful plus-size sleepers. And uh, my quiz matched me with the Helix Midnight. As you know, you know a lot about me now with the products that I use. Uh, they matched me with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm mattress. I sleep on my side and you know that about me. So it's perfect for me. And now I wake up feeling well rested, refreshed and energized for the day. Helix has over 12,000 five-star reviews, y'all. It was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired. Everybody who's worked here has one and loves it without fail. And it's not just like, it's pretty good. It's amazing. It's totally amazing. They've been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving sleep. There's a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. And they have financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is not far away for you. And Helix is offering right now up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for you at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Again, that's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash daily beans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. We have a very short segment for the good news today, but we needed some good news, so I wanted to bring it to you. I appreciate you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to make it have a little more good news tomorrow. When Dana comes back, and also I just took up so much time in the front because we had so much news to cover. It was a very long A segment, so <laughs> thank you for indulging me. And we do have some good news. If you have any good news, confessions, corrections, any games you want to play, just anything you want to send in, now is the time. We really need it. We need to be there for each other. You can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. The first submission is from Jennifer. It's actually a correction. And Jennifer says, hello, AG. I'm listening to the August 25th episode. And you tell the audience there's no better way to entertain a cat than to give them a box. And I have to disagree. 
I am the designer of a cat bed that is better than a box, quote unquote, and I would love to prove it and send you one. And then she she sends me the photo and these look incredible. And yes, I would love to I would love to try this out. And no, you don't have to pay me to endorse it because it looks fantastic. And as soon as I get it, you're going to hear all about it. And I'm going to put my cats in it and we're going to we're going to see how it goes, because this truly does look better than a box. It's like a little ball, a cat ball bed. It's amazing. And they're beautiful. They have a lot of different stunning colors. I will tell you all about it when I get it. Thank you so much, Jennifer. We will make that happen. Next up, Karen, pronouns she and her. Hey, Leguminati, listening to your wayward Kraken pod. I have a minor correction to submit. It's another Michigan place name correction. I heard you mention Lake Orion the other day. And in true Michigander fashion, it's not pronounced like the constellation. It's Lake Orion. I gotcha. Lake Orion. Thank you. And uh, Karen says, thanks again for making the news entertaining and sweary, as well as giving background, the background we won't get elsewhere. For my pet pod tax, I'm sharing photos of pebbles and the limelight hydrangeas that are tall enough to look through my window. Pebs is actually watching birds and chipmunks in the hydrangea bushes. I want these hydrangea. They're called, let's see, limelight hydrangeas. I need to get some of these. They're beautiful. Look at the baby. So great. Thank you for sending that, Karen. And Orion. 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 I'll get it. Orion. Let me know if that's incorrect. Next up, anonymous non-porn plumber. Awesome. Pronouns he and him. I'm, you know what? I, I, porn plumbers, non-porn plumbers. I'm, I'm good with all of it. Uh, Anonymous says a friend of ours has been out of work following an injury and about with COVID. Luckily, she was vaxxed and only had mild symptoms. Her kitchen sink got clogged and she couldn't afford a plumber. Luckily, I was able to help. My fiance let me know that the gals in the group text are having a lot of fun talking about my snake and calling me when they need service. Ha ha. Thanks for the podcast. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for all you do, anonymous non-porn plumber. Next up, anonymous pronoun she and her. Warning, this will likely be the most salacious and raunchy confession come good news story ever. Basically, all right, so everyone's got their warning. This is going to be salacious. Basically, I'm a bisexual woman in my early 40s, bursting with sexy good news that is too TMI to share with my vanilla friends. But I thought of my fellow sex-positive listeners and middle-aged beans queens may enjoy my tale. Like many, the pandemic was not kind to my physical or mental health, despite being able to finally WFH. And I packed on some weight and was feeling down about myself and over the hill, and I felt undesirable. My husband also gained a lot of weight, felt terrible, and all this was very detrimental to our love life. However, once a perv, always a perv. Having met in our 20s through the kink scene, And uh, one day, my husband mentioned the hot wife fetish to me. Basically, the allure is that the male partner gets to see if his wife, girlfriend perform as his own personal porn star live and in the flesh. Uh, I was hesitant, but open-minded. And we did research via podcasts and videos. We also signed up to go to a huge porn convention with the couple's experience package, aka for swingers. With this new goal and uh, deadline in place, we jumped into action trying to get into shape. <laughs> this is the best motivation I've heard for exercise in a long time. I lost 25 pounds, got my 20-something body back, bought a ton of new sexy outfits, started cosmetic upkeep again, hair and nails, etc. While my confidence was incredibly boosted by a deluge of positive feedback from young, hot, single guys, 
to the scantily clad photos on her profile. Obviously, my husband and I also started boning all the time. A couple weeks after the porn convention helped us get back into the swing of things. We found our guy, set a date, and booked an uber fancy hotel suite. What can I say besides this was hot, 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 probably the hottest sex one can possibly have, with a 25-year-old former Marine, while your husband watches, (laughs) I failed to mention, I am also a dom. And so, to start, I dressed up head to toe in leather and chains and gave him his first BDSM experience, a 25-year-old former Marine. Former already at 25. Anyway, very satisfying all around. This sweet submissive boy rocked my world that evening, followed by my dear husband after we kicked him out. So I want to give a huge shout out to President Biden for pulling the troops out of Afghanistan so at least one could pull into me. (laughs) Lastly, I also want to give a special mention to Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is definitely a terrible person, but was right when she screeched the best is yet to come. Oh, how true, ladies. If I can live the dream in my 40s, so can you. P.S. I swear every word of this is true. I can provide proof as needed. No, that's okay. We believe you. <laughs> I think the uh, pulled the troops out of Afghanistan so one could pull. That's, um, this is amazing. Gives a whole new perspective on the end of the war. It really does. And I thank you for sharing that. And may we all live vicariously through that. And, uh, I, you know, it just goes to show. You can pretty much submit anything here on The Daily Beans, and I will read it. Thank you, everyone, for lifting my spirits. Please send in more good news. Again, it's dailybeanpods.com. Click on contact. And anything you want to get off your chest. We need each other right now. I'm here for you, because I know you're here for me. So please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill, and them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill, with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.